Hello, welcome to the City Life Church weekly podcast. My name is Mark Holland, uh, pastor at City Life Church. This week we start a new series of messages. Uh, It's a three-part series. We do one every year related to the mission of City Life Church. This year we're focusing on the key word, the umbrella word, uh, the foundation word of our mission statement, and that is the word invite. Our mission statement is we are inviting new friends to encounter God's great grace, uh, connect with others, and serve the people of the city. So as we look at this word over these three weeks, the word invite, we're looking at how it is shaped uh, in different biblical passages and how we find ourselves uh, a, a great challenge and comfort in this word inviting and also a directive for how to be as a church. Uh, this week we focus on Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Unfortunately, our recording of this week's message uh, had some technical difficulties, and so we begin this podcast at around minute 5 of this week's message. Today's reading is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6 be found on page 1090 of the Bible's next year seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's Word. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The word of the Lord. When we read these words, when Paul is saying this in verses 5, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I think the most uh, natural thing to do when you hear those words, when you read those words, is to begin to actually think about specific things and people in your life. You begin to say, oh, okay, well, you start thinking back the last day, the last hour, the last week. You start thinking about, oh, that patient, oh, that neighbor, oh, that other person in the yoga class who sits next to me, oh, that friend who also likes Chardonnay and we hang out and drink together, oh, that boss, oh, that coworker, oh, oh, that spouse, oh, the child, oh, the parent, oh, that sibling. And, and, and it starts to, invi- just talking about this, this instruction, you know, we're in this instructional part of this letter and Paul is giving some instructions. And he's saying, outsiders, every opportunity, be full of grace in your conversation and so that you'll have answers for everyone. You start thinking. It starts invading, in a sense, just by talking about it. It starts invading into real life, real people. And we may not necessarily feel great about that when that happens. I mean, Paul starts out by giving us a, a comfort zone kind of, kind of situation in verse 2 where he says, devote yourself to prayer, being thank, watchful and thankful. And he says, and pray for us too that, you know, and so he starts talking about pray for us and pray that this happens for us and that happens for us. That's a pretty comfort zone thing. Okay, this guy who uh, we love him, we've heard great things about him, he's got a great message, we'll pray for him to keep going on with that message to all the you know, he's a crazy nutcase, and he goes out in public and talks about his faith, and we'll pray for that to work. I know he's good at it. I'm terrible at it. I'll pray for him. And, you know, okay, comfort zone. I'm praying for that missionary, you know, to do that work. And just, I mean, artfully, 
the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this, sneaks kind of in on us and catches us by surprise because all of a sudden we find ourselves moving almost seamlessly from that to all of a sudden he's saying basically, and you're doing all that same stuff too. And so he's got some thoughts for that. And he has, suddenly we find ourselves, he's made the switch and the assumption is there. No, 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 no. It's not just these great grand people over here who, who are public speaking Christians that think that the gospel of grace invades out into you know, the world. It's you too. But if you're around this thing called the gospel, that it will start to invade and make its way, and you'll start to actually know and be convinced that it needs to make its way into conversation and relationships and open doors and opportunities. We are not, I mean, our baseline is not to be super eager about this. So one of my professors from seminary, he was an old guy, he's not alive anymore actually, and his name is Roger Greenway. He was a professor emeritus who I got, got to have a couple classes with a wonderful guy who was a missionary. And this is something he wrote in a book called Apostles to the City. He said, The church, like ancient Israel, is con constantly tempted to be concerned exclusively with itself and ignore the unslaved world outside. Internal affairs are the principal concern of Israel, new and old. So by new, he's saying the church. And insofar as this attitude prevails, the Jonah syndrome continues. You know, Jonah, who was uh, sent to a city of what he thought of as wicked people, and so he, he kind of gave them a sort of message. It wasn't very gracious, and then he sat on a hill and waited for them to burn and was mad that they didn't, you know, that God was actually gracious to them, so Jonah syndrome. So God sees Nineveh, Greenway says, but his people do not. And because they do not, they really do not understand him. There's somewhat, you may not have Jonah syndrome as, syndrome as he, you know, describes it, but in some way or another, there is a strong inclination to run away from this idea that this gospel must, this grace must invade, it must make its way into all parts of our world and our relationships. Now, one thing that I think is helpful to remember is that you know, who is the invader? Who is the one who kind of intrudes? It's not you. The Bible doesn't talk about it as you. Isn't that a little bit of a relief? You are not the invader. You're not the intruder in these matters. God is. So we get these, this teaching to um, be wise. Verse 5 starts out, be wise. And I sort of interpret that to mean get a clue. <laughs> That's sort of the get a clue clause. Be wise. You're not the intruder. You're not the invader. You're not handed a pry bar to the doors you hope that will be open. Um, but for, for sure, always back to God's grace cannot remain private. Its nature, its very nature is to invade and make its way out beyond just you. And so just from a few weeks back, or actually a couple months back when I actually was preaching this, um, chapter 1, verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself, just you? No, all things, all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So you can't hold back this grace. It must begin to make its way out. It must invade. Um, but if I just stopped there, there would still be a gaping hole in this message in terms of, okay, now what? I mean, we've laid a little bit of framework. We've understood a little bit of what the Apostle Paul is saying here. But we still have to examine that, the fact that a Christian is exposed to and has encountered a prayer life. 
That's an underlying assumption of this passage. I mean, it jumps out at you right away that as Paul begins, he's talking about pray, pray, pray. It's the key word in this passage that we're looking at. So I've saved the best for last. Pray, pray, pray. Let me, let me start by saying this, or asking these questions. Whose mission is it? Whose mystery is it? Whose invasion is it, if there's such a thing as an invasion? Whose amazing grace is it? It's not yours. It's God's. The amazing grace is not yours. The amazing mission, it's not your mission. Otherwise, you know what? If God's mission was just, if it was your mission, you actually wouldn't have much need for prayer. So actually the way that you show God that you believe that it's his mission is prayer. And that's what this passage is getting at. And I find it interesting that the two qualifiers for prayer, right there right away as we read this passage, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. I think most of us are pretty comfortable and it's, it's, it's a pretty natural thing to consider thankfulness, a thankful kind of prayer, a thanking prayer. Not, not even saying that you or I are that great at I know I, I, I often think that I should be more thankful, I should express more thanks to God, that should be more regular, part of my life. But I think it makes sense, that's what I'm trying to say. Whereas this other word is, is somewhat more new, watchful. If you're, being, if, if you're having um, a, a thankful kind of prayer, if you're praying with thankfulness, you're looking back, aren't you? And other kinds of prayers may look to right now, the present, but being watchful as you pray, that's looking forward. That's looking to the future. That's peering into the horizon to try to see what God might be up to. Um, Paul says here, uh, he asks that God may open a door. He, he talks about doors being opened, and then he talks about opportunities and conversations that, hap- that are happening. This is all throughout this passage. Well, who's, who's the door opener? We're asking a lot of these kinds of questions today. I think, I think mistakenly, a lot of the times, and this creates a lot of the problems, we imagine that that's up to us. We're the door opener. And he clearly says, I mean, it's just right here, that you pray that God may open a door. That's how you pray watchfully, actually. And I think, you know, perhaps you thought, oh, a sermon like this, this is a sermon about inviting. Well, at this particular part of the sermon, that's where the preacher gets into the part where, okay, guys, here we go. We're going to, um, you know, hand out the crowbars and the battering rams and let's go open some doors, you know. Here's how we do it. Here's what you got to do. And if you don't, you should feel terrible about yourself. I don't think, I actually think we get a very different picture here throughout this passage of God opening the doors and of us our basic role in this is prayer. And I think it looks a whole lot like um, a pastor that I heard at a regional meeting this week talking about his church that he's starting further down in the valley. And what he happened to do was notice that a funeral home in that town needed someone to, to lead the funerals for people who didn't have a church or didn't have a pastor. And so he volunteered to help. And, um, and he was surprised when he did his first funeral um, um, I don't know what he was thinking, if it was kind of like, oh, I'll fit this thing in. But he was surprised that the doors had opened and, and that when all of a sudden these bunch of new families showed up at his church the next week. It feels a lot less like a door getting pried open and it t- feels, sounds a whole lot more like just 
God kind of having a sense of what's on the horizon and what could happen and where to put us so that he can make connections with his grace. And then the role that you're left with is prayer. So I don't know where this message finds you today. You know, you might, a lot of people talk to me and they feel like they're in a slump of some sort. You feel like you're in some kind of spiritual slump. Maybe uh, things just don't feel like they're happening or God feels distance or, or distant or you just feel kind of like, oh, I'm not feeling it lately. I'm feeling a little bit spiritually like I've been sidelined. You know, maybe it's how you, you're watching. Maybe there's some game somewhere, but you're definitely not in it. You're pro, you feel like you're on the sideline. You may or may not be even seeing the game happening. Well, one question that you might ask yourself is, could I be, and if you're like me, your answer is yes, could I be more watchful in prayer? Is there an aspect of prayer for you that maybe is missing, the kind of, the kind of aspect where you're, as if you're looking uh, off in the distance, you're trying to see over a crowd to a road where you see a little bit of dust way on the horizon and something's coming and you're squinting and wondering, what is it though? What is going to happen? Who? Where? What? Is there a little aspect of that in your prayer life, either alone or even better with others? Are you looking into God's mission expectantly? That's what I'm trying to say. And I have kids, so we're, and they're growing up, so we're getting into soccer is pretty much a phase of our life. I think if I someday wrote a book about my life, God help us all if I did that, but if I wrote a book about my life, there would be a chapter called soccer, you know, just because you go through this phase and now I have a minivan and the soccer chairs are permanently in the back and, you know, that's just what you do after school on certain days and on Saturdays, so anyway. And you see this phenomenon with kids when they're just starting where they, um, it's pretty much like they, they schedule the soccer game right at nap time for these four-year-olds. And so, you know, they're picking dandelions and, and having just total meltdowns and crying and walking off the field. And all the parents just kind of chuckle because no one really cares yet. It's just cute to see your kid out there and get a picture of it. Um, and as time progresses, you know, they, they get a little more into it. And then there's a point where, um, but you, you still see these little glimpses of it, even now as my kids get older, where they're on the sideline, but, you know, they're still just kids, you know. And, you know, you grow up, you're thinking if you're the coach, you want your kids on the side cheering for their teammates and watching, but you still, you'll see kids playing with another kid or finding something to read or to do on the side when they're not in the game. And so um, at one point I said to one of my kids, I said, you know, hey, just go over there and stand next to your coach so that when it's time for you to go in, he'll know you're ready. Just stand next to your coach and watch the game so that when it's time to go in, he'll know you're ready. Is there a sense? Is it as simple as that? Is that what this watchful prayer is? So that when it's time to go in, he'll know you're ready. Let's pray. Our God of great, mysterious grace, would you please help us to know you and to know how to um, be people who invite, know how to be people who are prayerful, and people who are wise in how we talk to friends. And God, would you also meet us as we move towards um, the table of grace and the great invitation to your feast, that we would know you better and your Holy Spirit would join us. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.